We're at Masechet Pesachim, Daf Ayin Chet 78. We're discussing the, this Mishnah. And uh, oh, who is the author? We're going to start off. Can it be to be Yosea? Yesterday we asked, can it be to be Yoshua? And we're going to conclude, yesterday we conclude that it could be to be Yoshua. Today we're going to conclude that it cannot be to be Yosea. It cannot be the author of our Mishnah. Uh, once we do that, we're going to explain the Braita that we quoted yesterday. We're going to requote it and uh, explain what it means. It was a very difficult Braita that we saw. And then we're going to go on to the next Mishnah and see a statement of Rav Gida on the name of Rav and uh, analyze who, uh, which opinion he follows. All right, so let's just review the Mishnah uh, so that we can be up to date. So the Mishnah mentioned five different offerings that when the community is Tameh, since these are communal offerings, you can offer them Betum'ah. But even though you can offer them and they're valid, you may not eat them because uh, they're usually eaten. Uh, so that would be the Omer that you bring on, on Pesach, uh, right? You, uh, you bring the first barley and you wave it and the Kohanim eat it. And the Shteha Lechem that we bring on Shavuot, and Lechem Apanim that we bring every week. All these are different kinds of uh, breads that the Kohanim would eat. Zibche, Shameh, Sibor. Those are the um, Korbanot that we bring on Shavuot together with the Shteha Lechem. Uh, so, and those are also, those are Shelamim. So the communal offerings in a normal year, the Kohanim would eat it. If everybody's Tameh, then you still bring the offering, but the Kohanim do not eat the meat of the animal. And also the Seir of Rosh Chodesh is the same. So that's one category. This is different from the Korban Pesach because Korban Pesach, its essence is that he must be eaten. So therefore, when everyone is Tameh, you bring not only bring the Pesach and it's valid, but even you can even eat it uh, because that is necessary for the, that's what the Pesach is all about, to be eaten. Whereas all these other ones, um, they're about atoning, or allowing the new the new wheat the new uh, grain to be allowed, but uh, eating eating them is not actually part of the essence of their fulfillment. Uh, so that's the difference between them. Okay, so now that we have these, we mentioned yesterday that we were asking about the Yoshua. and uh, the Yoshua as being the author or not depends on these three assumptions, and these are going to come up today also. So let's review them. Number one is that when the when everyone is tameh. Um, and, you, and you're allowed to bring a, a public offering, even though everyone's Tameh, how does it work, right? Is it just that Hutra, it's totally permitted, or is it Nidche, that in other words, it's uh, pushed off, but you need to atone for it. Um, so the most, the majority opinion says uh, that you still have to atone for that Tum'ah, even though you're permitted to bring it. And how do you atone for it? It's the seats, the frontlet that the Kohen Gadol wears, that atones for Tum'ah that is brought into the Bet HaMikdash, even though you're allowed to bring it, uh, you still need the frontlet to atone for it. Um, however, there is an opinion also, there's a machloket regarding this. Does the frontlet atone for um, everything or only some things? Uh, so one opinion says everything, and one opinion says it does not atone for the parts that are consumed, for the parts that are eaten. It will atone for the blood and uh, the parts that go onto the Mizbeach, but not for the parts that people eat. So you see, if you have that, that could be a problem for our Mishnah, which uh, says, well, we'll see. Um, okay, the third, uh, uh, the third topic is when you have, you have two parts of every sacrifice, which is the blood that's sprinkled on the side and the meat that goes up on top or and or is consumed by the Kohanim. Are they mutually dependent? Rabbi Yoshua said yes, 
that if the, so therefore if the meat becomes tameh, you can't offer the blood either. So in other words, it's totally invalid. Whereas Rabbi Eliezer said, they're not mutually independent. If meat becomes tameh, you can still offer the blood. So the, it's still, uh, it's, you can still go ahead with it. Now, if you put all these together and you say you need the blood and the meat, and you think the frontlet does not atone for the eaten parts, that's the meat, so then you have a problem because you can't bring the blood without the meat being atoned for, and the frontlet doesn't atone for the meat because that's eaten. And you need the frontlet to atone because you don't just say it's totally okay. So when you put all these together, it does not reconcile with our Mishnah. All right, so that was uh, the, the it, with the Nabi Yoshua, we were able to, in the end, uh, say that the Mishnah is talking about public, and his opinion was only about private korbanot, but Nabi Yoshua would agree in public korbanot, communal korbanot, which these are, that the blood and the meat are not mutually dependent. So that was our solution to that. But we're going to see that Nabi Yoseh has a very similar opinion, seems to be, uh, it's not quite clear what he thinks. Uh, so that's what we're going to try to figure out, and we're going to conclude that Nabi Yoseh cannot be the author of our Mishnah. All right, so we start here. Let's propose that Rabbi Yoseh cannot be the author of our Mishnah. Why? Let's, uh, let's try to find what did Rabbi Yoseh actually say? Uh, so he thinks that the frontlet, uh, that's Rabbi Eliezer, thinks that the frontlet uh, that the Kohen Gadol wears um, atones even for things that are that are eaten. So according to the Beliez, there's no problem. This tumah there, it's okay. The frontlet will uh, will make it okay, and therefore the korban will be valid. Um, but the Biyoseh is more machmir. The Biyoseh omer en hasis medaseh al achilot. He does not think that the seats uh, will atone for the parts that are eaten. Okay, so now this is already, you know, problem number one. That was assumption in the B up above. And now based on that, we can infer something else. Uh, since the Biose said that the frontlet is, does not atone for that, those parts which are eaten, uh, he must also agree with Rabbi Yoshua, who says that the blood and the meat are mutually dependent, that you need both of them to be valid in order to make the sacrifice. Why? Because if not, what's, what, what would be the point of saying that the seats is not, does not atone? If it does not atone, but you can bring the blood anyway, even without the meat, then it wouldn't really matter if the seats atones or not. Right? What does it matter if the seeds atones for the meat when you can bring the blood separately, like if you think like a Eliezer? Therefore, since he says the seeds does not atone, must be that he means the practical effect of that is um, that if the meat that's edible uh, does not, uh, is tameh, it will not atone, and it's mutually dependent, and you cannot bring the korban. And there you go. That's against our Mishnah, which says that all these communal offerings you can bring. They are valid, even though you don't eat them. Uh, so that's our question, uh, you know, our challenge to the Biyose. All right. Lord, say, no, not necessarily. Maybe the Biyose actually does agree with the Biyose. It says you can offer the blood even though the meat is tameh. Uh, Wait, Wait, if so, why did he bother saying that the seats uh, does not atone for the food? What does it matter if it doesn't atone for the food? Who cares? We can offer the blood anyway. Uh, so that's uh, that's our question. 
כיוון דאמר דם אף על פי שאין בשר, הסיס מן הסר לאכילות דמי הלכתה. We answer the question with another question. According to you, רבי אליעזר, who says that the frontlet does atone for meat, well, since he says, he says you don't need the meat, uh, the, the meat to be, to, to be tahor, and you can offer the blood without it, why do you need, need bother needing the, the seats to atone for the meat? Even if the meat stays tameh, it uh, doesn't matter. So you see that the, the point that they're questioning is, once I, ha- once I hold the opinion that I can offer blood that uh, even though the, the meat is tameh and they're not mutually independent, then I don't need the seats either way. It doesn't matter if the seats does atone or doesn't atone. And so the same question you asked about Rabbi Yoseh, I could ask about Rabbi Eliezer from the opposite point of view. Uh, so we have an answer. The difference will be it, to make it a pigul. Pigul means when I do the shechita or some of the, some of the service and I have wrong intention, intention to eat it outside the time or outside the place. Now the law is that pigul will only apply to a valid sacrifice. If it's valid in all other ways, except that I had wrong intention, it becomes pigul, which is isur um, karet, is very problematic. So according to Rabbi Eliezer, it would become pigul. And also, once I do bring the sacrifice, even though the meat is tameh and the Kohen cannot eat it, let's say he does eat it. Would it be me'ilah? Um, it would not be me'ilah because he brought the sacrifice. So therefore, once he brings the sacrifice, the food belongs to the Kohanim. And so it would not be, be me'ilah. So according to Rabbi Eliezer, because you have the seats that atones for it, now it becomes a valid korban and it's as if it's tahor, and since it's tahor, it's a valid korban, in that if you do it the wrong way, it will be pigul, and if you eat it, um, it will not be me'ila. Uh, however, according to, um, for the biyose, however, he would say, lo lo According to the Biyose, since the frontlet does not make it, does not uh, atone for the, uh, the, the meat that's, that's tameh, so therefore that meat is not as if it was tahor, and therefore it's an invalid sacrifice. Since it's an invalid sacrifice, if the Kohen should have wrong intention, it would not become pigul. And also, um, it would not remove it from the status of me'ilah. If a Kohen should go and eat it, he would be chayav me'ilah because it was never, it never was validly offered on the Mizbeach uh, and sprinkled on the Mizbeach, so it didn't transfer now to be edible by the Kohen. So even though, yeah, you're right, according in both ways, uh, the Kohen's not allowed to eat the meat because it's tameh, Right, but they whether the whether the frontlet is tones or not will make a difference in uh, whether the korban itself is valid or invalid. And if it's valid, it actually is more machmir because it's valid. So you'd be chayav uh, with pigul, um, uh, but it wouldn't be meila because then normally the kohen could eat it. Whereas for the biyoseh, because it's invalid. Uh, that the, the meat is invalid, uh, therefore it's not a problem of pigul, uh, it is a problem of me'ila. So there is an after effect, uh, even though it, they would end up being tameh and not, 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 not permitted to eat according to both of them. Um, okay, now we have a question. Matkif la Rav Mari. 
Um, even if you say, because that was our answer just now, that Rabbi Yosef could actually agree with Rabbi Eliezer, and so the Mishnah could be according to him. So Rabbi Eliezer's opinion was that the dam and the meat are independent of each other, even though the meat is, is tameh, it's okay, you can bring the blood and, or, and sprinkle the blood. And now we said that the Biose agrees with that. Uh, he could agree with that. So even though the, he, he says the seats does not, does not atone, doesn't matter, you could bring the blood by itself. Fine, that answer works for most of the things on the list because korbanot uh, uh, have blood that you sprinkle. And so therefore it's good, right? The, uh, that, that validates the, the process. Omer um, is, is grain, um, even though it doesn't have blood, but when, what we do is we take the grain, we take a handful, put it on the Mizbeach, and the rest the Kohanim eat. That handful you put on the Mizbeach is equivalent to blood for an animal sacrifice, right? It, it functions the same way. Uh, so uh, if you follow the Be'eliezer, even though it's Tameh, you could still take the Komet. In other words, even if the rest of it became Tameh, you could still take the Komets and go ahead with the process of the Korban. Lechem Apanim has Bazichim, the weekly uh, showbread, has a bowl of frank, two bowls of frankincense, and those are put on the mizbeach, so those are equivalent to the to the blood. So in all these cases, there is something that you're doing that's valid, uh, even though the edible part is not. But what are you going to do with the two loaves that we bring on Shavuot? None, none of that. No part of it is brought on the mizbeach. It's only eaten by the by by the kohen, and therefore. Uh, you can't apply the thing that, oh, dam, the, the dam can go ahead, even though the meat can't. It's all meat. Um, and so there's, there's nothing to offer. So how could you say that you can offer it, that it's, it's a valid uh, offering, right? And, uh, which the Mishnah said it's a valid offering. So it doesn't work. Maybe you'll say it's referring to the animal, the shelamim, uh, uh, animals that are brought together with shtehalechem. But the Mishnah already mentioned that separately. Shalmesibur was one thing, and the Shalechem was another thing. And so, therefore, if you say that really Shalechem means the Korbanot, you see there's only four items. It says it has to be five items. So, Mishnah went out of its way to, to say it's a number five, so, don't you, so you won't get confused. And therefore, that answer did not work for all the items on the list. So another uh, attempt to revive the Biyose. Maybe the Biyose thinks that when the community is, ta is Tameh, you are totally permitted to offer the sacrifice, even though everyone's Tameh. And you don't need to atone for it. And you don't need the seats there to atone for it. It's entirely permitted. And so therefore, even though he thinks that the seats does not atone for the edible part, and in this case, the shalechem is all edible parts. Doesn't matter because we don't even need atonement, right? You have a total, uh, total permission. That's hutra rather than than nidche. Uh, so if you say that, well, let's see if it works. Uh, regarding the yom uh, the the gadol on yom kippur, um, and uh, and. Uh, um, uh, the, uh, 
and uh, and the Kohen Gadol who's preparing the Paraduma, uh, with the seven days before, we want to make sure that Tahor, before Yom Kippur, right, just in case maybe he forgot that he touched uh, touched something Tameh and became Tameh Met. So we sprinkle on him the Paraduma the, uh, every day beforehand. Kol Shiva, Kol Shiva, right? Who knows when he might have become Tameh before? So we sprinkle him every day. That's to be Meir. The Biosel Med, and Mazin Alav, Ela Shelishi. No, we only do it the third day and the seventh day. That's it. We don't have to do it every day. We're not so careful. But the question is, if he thinks that when the community is Tameh, you're totally allowed to bring all the, the communal sacrifices, why bother at all sprinkling the Kohen Gadol, right? I mean, it's not like he knows for sure he touched something. We're doing this just in case, but who, who, who needs it? Just in case, it's still totally permitted. You don't even need any atonement. So it can't be that Rabbi Yosef thinks that uh, you don't need the seats. Rather, there's no way out. We tried all the possibilities and we cannot reconcile Rabbi Yosef with the Mishnah. All right, so that ends uh, that discussion. And now we're going to uh, quote a baraita that the Biyoseh said. And this baraita is very confusing. Let's see what it says. Amar le When the Biyoseh said the following statement, he seems to be awarding uh, a, a document to two different conflicting parties, right? He's saying, yeah, you're right and you're right. Well, how could he be right and also the other one be right? That's the famous Jewish joke, right? And the rabbi says, you're both right. Um, so you can't, you can't have that. And that's exactly what the Biyose said. So let's see, the Braita says, the Tanya Amar Biyose, Usually when it says, he says, I see his arguments. I agree with his argument, right? Usually he says, I follow his words. So on the one hand, he says, I follow the words of the Eliezer regarding sacrifices. And then he says, I follow the words of the Yoshua regarding sacrifices. But there was a machloket between them. How could he follow both? And then he goes on and says, He follows both of their opinions, but they say opposite opinions. He's going to explain what exactly they said. What was it? What was it? opinion regarding sacrifices. He's the one that said that you can sprinkle the blood even if there's no blood around. Either the blood was lost or became tameh. Um, and uh, you can still bring it, right? They're independent of, e- they're, in- they're not dependent on each other. Um, and he also agrees with the, with the words of Rabbi Yeshua regarding sacrifices, who says they are dependent. If there's no blood, you cannot bring the meat. And if there's no meat, you cannot bring the blood. So these are, these are not reconcilable. As you say, I agree with this and I agree with that. And then the other two statements, the better be Eliezer Baminachot, was more lenient and he says if you have a flower offering you can bring the handful and put it on the mizbeach even if there's nothing else even if the rest of the edible part uh was lost burned became tameh it's okay you can still bring the comets because that's the equivalent for the blood that's Rabbi as it says the same same principle in zevachim and menachot and biyoseh says i also agree with Rabbi Yoshua. 
במלאכות שאומר אם אין שם שערים אין קומץ, אם אין קומץ אין שערים, this is no need both both the part that you put on his be'ach and the rest of it have to both be present and be tahor uh, in order to be valid. They are mutually dependent. Okay, so you can see that the Biyoseh statement is really uh, uh, confusing. What did he mean by it? So we're going to offer a few different explanations and we'll, we'll be successful in the end. Amar leh, mistabiraka amar, ki kaya bezevachim, amar mistabiraki hechi de pligi bezevachim, peligi nameh bemenachot. What he's saying is that Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yoshua originally said their machloket only regarding one topic, either regarding sacrifices or regarding, uh, or regarding flower offerings. And so when Rabbi Yoseh was studying Zevachim and he was explaining the machloket, he would say, you know what, I think uh, it also, what, just like they have a machloket regarding, regarding animals, I think they would also apply the same argument regarding flower offerings. And when he was studying the laws of flower offerings, he said, uh, I know that they argue on flower offerings. I think that they would apply their argument also to uh, animal sacrifices, right? In both, either you need, uh, either they're mutually independent or not mutually independent. And so that's what he means by, by this, uh, the, that uh, he's not siding with one or the other. He's just showing that the the, the issue in regard to animals or or meat or meal offerings is the same. Amarle, uh, the papa told him, "Hatena ki kaeb bezvachim, amar mistabra ki hechi depligi bezvachim, peligi na bemenachot." I would agree with half of what you said. That when they're studying zevachim, then he would need to say. They also argue regarding mincha offerings. Because all the pesukim that we saw yesterday, there was says moed, moed, moadechem. That's where we learned these laws. I mean, the Rabbi Yosheron and Rabbi Eliezer disagreed on how you interpret that the, the, that pasuk. Um, and so, since the pasuk is talking about zevachim and they argue on how to interpret that pasuk, we know for sure that their argument started when the Zavachim. So it makes sense then he would say, I think they also argue regarding Menachot where they didn't say it explicitly. But the other way it doesn't work. When you're studying Menachot, it wouldn't say, it wouldn't make sense to say, I think they would also argue on Zevachim. Of course they argue on Zevachim. That's the original place where they where they were they were talking about it. We just now applied it to Menachot. So that answer doesn't work. That can't be what the Braita meant. He says, I agree with each one, but in different cases. Rabbi Eliezer, who was more lenient, and he said, you can bring the blood, even if, you, even if the rest of the animal is not valid, that's when the rest of the animal became tameh. So it's there, it's present, but it's tameh. It's still there. So then you can bring the blood. Um, but if the rest of the animal, if the meat of the animal was lost or burnt and doesn't exist anymore, then I agree with Rabbi Yoshua who says, you can't bring the blood if the, other, the rest of the animal is gone, right? So that's, he's saying, um, I agree, I, I, I think a compromise. If it's, if it's around, but tameh, you can bring the blood, but if it's not around, uh, if it's destroyed, then you can't bring the blood, right? And that would actually make sense. So that's what he meant that I agree with them in one aspect, but not in the other case. Why? Why would you make a distinction between the two? When it's tameh, so then the front lid of the Kohen Gadol can atone for the Tumah. So it's there and we can treat it as if it's tahor. 
Oh, yeah, but this doesn't work because Rabbi Yosef is the one that says that the seats does not atone for things that are eaten. So there's no reason for the Yosef to make a distinction between Nitma and if it was destroyed altogether. So there you go. That This explanation does not work for the Yosef. Ela la kashya. Here's what he meant to say. I agree with Rabbi Eliezer that you can bring the blood, even without the meat, in a communal offering. But if it's an individual offering, then you need both the blood and the meat to be present and tahor. Okay, so that would make sense. He agrees with one aspect in each. The sibur ma'ita'ama. What's the difference? Well, a communal offering, it's permitted, hutra, totally. Um, right? Is that why? And then and you don't need the seats at all because uh, it's totally permitted without, you don't even have to, uh, you know, it's not uh, overriding anything. Um, well, that doesn't work for two reasons. The we saw did not say hutra besibur. He said dechuya besibur, and so dechuya means we override the tuma, but you still need the seats to atone for it. And so um, the Rabbi said would not agree that hutra. So this doesn't work for that reason. If it's fact a communal offering, are you telling me that? Only the Be'eliezer would say communal offering is permitted, but the Be'oshua would not permit a, a communal offering. That's not true. Everyone agrees that communal offerings can be brought when they're tameh. Um, so the, right? We, we established already pr- b- beforehand that the Be'oshua agrees in communal offerings that is permitted. That was on, the, on yesterday's daf. So that answer didn't work either. Ela, final answer. Oh, so he says, you want both the blood and the meat to be tahod and available, and then you can do both. That's what you should do. But what if it's not? Um, so you shouldn't, if one, if you don't have one or the other, you should not sprinkle it. But let's say the meat became tameh, and then against the rules, the Quen went and sprinkled it anyway. Is it is it valid? Yes, that will follow to be Eliezer if it was already done. We just follow to be Yeshua and would not do that in the first instance. Okay, so that seems to be a good answer. The Abad afilo Rabbi Yeshua name modehu the katane modeh be Yeshua sheim zarak hurasa. Wait, but this is also have a, has a problem because even the be Yeshua would agree that if you already did it. It's okay because we have a statement, right? Of Baraita. This is Rabbi Yeshua agrees that if it was already done, that's okay. He thinks that they are mutually independent, mutually dependent. But if you did it already, even though the blood, even though the meat was tameh, it's still okay. So this answer also doesn't work. But we're going to modify it a little and make it work. Ha betumah, ha beabud besaruf. No, when Rabbi Yeshua said that it's okay, that was talking about when it's tameh, not when it's destroyed, right? If it's not around, and even if you did it and you, and you sprinkled the blood, even b'diavad is not good. When it says Yeshua would agree that if you already did it, that's talking about when, if it was tameh, then b'diavad is okay. 
לא. כי כמה רבי עושה רואה אני את דברי רבי אליעזר בדיעבד ועבוד וסרוף. And when רבי עושה said in that ברייתה, I agree with the words of רבי אליעזר, he was talking about if it was done already and if it was totally destroyed, uh, in, um, in which case רבי אליעזר would say בדיעבד, that is okay. And so we can reconcile uh, we can reconcile to be Yeshua and to be Eliezer and say that to be Yosei agrees with them one in one case regarding Bediyava and the Chatechila, but we're going to further localize it to a case of Avud and Saruf. So if it's destroyed and uh, then they sprinkle it anyway, that will be the, that, 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 that's the cases that the um, Yosei was talking about, that Lechatechila, you should not sprinkle the blood, but if you did, then he agrees with Eliezer, that it would be okay. All right, so we took a very difficult baraita and we were able to figure out what the Biyoseh meant by it. Maybe the Biyoseh, you know, uh, presented it in an in a easy way, in a way that's easy to remember, but difficult to figure out. And that would be a good exercise for his students to figure out exactly what he meant. So, okay, that's what we just did. All right, now we get to the next Mishnah. Nitma basar v'chelev kayam. Now there's two parts of the animal the basad is the part that is edible, eaten by the kohanim. Chelev uh, is the part that's, that uh, humans cannot eat. That's the part that goes on the mizbeach. So what if the edible part becomes tameh, but the part that is meant for the mizbeach is, remains tahor? What's the law? Can we go ahead with the korban and, and sprinkle the blood? The answer is you cannot sprinkle the blood. Um, we're talking about a korban pesach in this case. See, so the difference between korban pesach and all other korbanot, as we already saw, is that korban pesach has to be eaten. Right, that will actually be the subject. That does it have to be eaten or not? Right. But right now we're assuming korban pesach has to be eaten, and therefore, even though you part, you, you can put the part of the mizbeach, the part that everyone eats is not the korban. There's all the owners, everybody who, who joined that that korban. Um, but the korban is tameh. No one can eat it. Therefore, and no adam, you cannot go ahead with that korban pesach. However, the other way around, the part that, of the Korban Pesach that goes on the Mizbeach, the forbidden fat, is Tameh. But the Habasar Kayam, the part that we all eat, is fine. Then you can go ahead, which is quite amazing, right? The part that we eat is actually more important than the part that goes on the Mizbeach. That's regarding Korban Pesach. However, in other sacrifices, it's not true. In those cases, even if the, the meat, the eating part of the meat is tameh, and the chelib, but the part that goes on the mizbeach is, is tahor, then you can go ahead with it, right? So for most sacrifices, the part that goes on mizbeach is the more, is the, is the essential one. But for Gorma Pesach, the part that we eat, is the essential part of it. Good, that's the Mishnah, clear enough. And now uh, we have the statement that we're gonna focus all our attention on. Amar Av Gidel, Amar Rav. Rav Gidel says the name of Rav, a first generation Amoran Babel. Says, Im Zarak, Hursa. Let's say you did it. This uh, Korban Pesach, right? We're talking about in the, in the first case here where the Basad was Tameh. So we, we can't eat it. So you should not sprinkle the blood. He says, that's the chatechila, eno zorek et adam, right? That's what it sounds like. What if you went ahead and did it? The Kohen didn't realize, right? Um, and he sprinkled it anyway. Hursa, it's a valid korban pesach. And so therefore, the people that joined that korban pesach, that group of whatever, 10 people, they fulfill their obligation for korban pesach. They can't eat it because it's tameh, 
but they don't have to do Pesach Sheni. That's what Rav says. Now we're going to question it. What do you mean? We have a general rule. Everybody knows you have to be able to actually eat the Koban Pesach. Does Rav not agree with that? Yeah, they say, eating it is not essential. Yeah, you don't have to eat it. It's good to eat it, but it's not essential. Does he really say that? Pasuk says, you should go and everyone get a sheep, each according to their number, how much they can eat, how much they can eat. So Pasuk says, that has to be edible. Uh, they would, and I would answer the mitzvah. Yes, it's a mitzvah to eat it, but it's not essential, an essential requirement. If you didn't eat it, because it was taman, you couldn't. So it's still a valid korban Pesach. You still fulfilled your obligation. It's a mitzvah to eat it, but it doesn't prevent the animal from being uh, valid. Really, you say you think that, that it's not, it's not essential? It says according to the number. We already dealt with, with all this in a Braita. The Braita says, according to the number, that teaches you that you have to, when you do Shechita, Pesach has to be for the people who register, that number of people who register. Would, can you, you might think, could it be that if you did Shechita, not for the people that are regi- that registered, maybe you violated that commandment, but maybe it's st- still a valid korban, right? Oh, I did this korban. Who wants to register now? Okay, you missed out on an opportunity for for a, for a mitzvah, but maybe it's still valid. No, the pasuk repeats and says each person according to what he can eat you, in his number. So it repeats it to say it's an essential requirement and it's not valid if you don't have the eaters there. So you see, it has to be eaten. And the eating of it is, um, is connected, is juxtaposed to the registrants of it. So just like it has to have registrants who can eat, and that's an essential requirement, so too it has to be eaten, and that's an essential requirement. So Rav, we're really confused by your statement that says, if, you, if it was tameh, the meat was tameh, and you're already sprinkled the blood, it's a valid korban, even though nobody can eat it. This is very strange because it goes against the braita. This is, you're right. Rav cannot be reconciled with the majority opinion represented in this braita, but we can find a minority opinion, that of Rabbi Natan. He's a Tana, and he says, He thinks that, yes, of course, you're supposed to eat it, the Koban Pesach, but if you didn't eat it, it does not prevent the uh, and the Korban from being valid. Okay, where did the Binatan actually say this? We're going to analyze two different, but I thought to find that where the Binatan said this. That's the end of the Braita. He says, how do you know that the whole nation of Israel can fulfill their obligation with one sheep, right? One sheep for everyone. Because the Pasuk says, slaughter it in singular. Everybody slaughter one. Now, what does this mean? Does each and every person do shechita for himself? No, we come together in groups. One person is going to do the shechita. Rather, it means one animal for all of the nation. Now, you know, uh, there's no way, right? No matter what, no matter how big the sheep is, there's no way that you're going to have a kezait of meat 
for every single person in the whole nation. So you see that um, there's going to be most people who don't eat it, and yet it's a valid korban. So maybe this is the source of the, this idea that the Binatan says the eating of the korban Pesach is not essential. And Rav can follow this opinion, who said, and he would say, you shouldn't sprinkle the blood of its tameh, but if you did, it's valid, because even if nobody eats it, it's still okay. So does that work? No. In this case, where all the nation of Israel registered for one sheep, some people will eat it, right? And so maybe they, you know, only 10, all these 10 people eat it. But if those 10 people bow out and they withdraw, then a different 10 people might eat it. So who knows, right? It's like kind of a lottery. You might be uh, eligible, potentially each and every person is eligible to eat, right? And they potentially could eat. It's just a matter of, you know, who's going to be there first. But if the first 10 people who registered withdraw, then it could be the next 10 people. So therefore that's, that's sufficient. But someone has to eat it and it has to be potentially there has to be the potential that those who registered can eat it. That's not the same when it became Tameh. When it becomes Tameh, nobody could eat it. So Rabinatan, uh, this, this is not a good source for saying that Rabinatan thinks that eating is not required. Uh, let's try a different source. Another similar case, um, you have a korban where one group, group A, registered for it. And then they, uh, they changed their minds and a different group, group B, registered for, for it also. So the, now there's not enough for all of them. So Rishonim, that since the first 10, they all have, a, uh, they can all get a kezayit. So they eat. And they don't have to do Pesach Shani. But the second group that came and registered afterwards, um, they're, they're not going to be enough meat for them. So they don't eat. And they have to do Pesach Shani because they, uh, were, they, they didn't get, they were not, there's not enough meat for them. So therefore, you see that eating is required. Um, um, and, uh, okay, that, that's the a majority opinion. Everyone says eating is required. However, the Braita continues and says, So the first group and the second group do not have to do Pesach Shani. The first group ate it, so they're fine. The second group and it was who, who did not have enough food and uh, did not eat it, doesn't matter. They fulfilled their mitzvah of Pesach and don't have to Pesach Shani because the blood was already, already sprinkled. So there you go. You see that? The Binatan thinks. You don't have to eat it, and there still could be a Korban Pesach. And so maybe uh, he could be the uh, opinion that Rav will follow. No, this also not good. So no, maybe this is also the same, that potentially both groups can eat it. Let's say Group A would decide to withdraw, right? Uh, they had to change their mind. Group B then would be able to have a Kezait each. So since potentially they could eat, um, they uh, they are part of it. That's not the same as when the meat became tameh, then nobody can eat it, right? Uh, that 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 would not be good. So Rabinatan still is not a good precedent. Well, no, it is a good precedent because look what the language is. If that was the reason, then the Baraita should have ended and said because the first group might withdraw and then the second group would eat it. 
Instead, the reason given is because the blood was already sprinkled. Therefore, you see that Abinatan thinks that the key ingredient is sprinkling the blood. As long as the blood is sprinkled, no matter what, even if nobody can eat it or half the people can eat it, for whatever reason, there's not enough, it's tameh, doesn't matter, the valid, the korban is valid. Good. So we finally found a precedent for Rav, right? That the Rav said that in the Mishnah, that says that you the, the meat is, uh, you should not sprinkle the blood when the meat is tameh. Um, and I've said, if you did sprinkle it anyway, it's okay, it's a valid korban. What do you mean? Don't you have to eat it? It goes against the majority opinion. Yep, he does go against the majority opinion, but he has a tana. He can he can rely on the binatan. The binatan said, eating the korban Pesach is not an essential requirement. All right, good. So we have a source for him. Um, uh, now we're just out of curiosity. Why did Rav say this? I mean, why did why did he pigeonhole himself to be a minority opinion? Why do you have to say that the Mishnah, which says, do not sprinkle the blood, that means you should not sprinkle the blood, but it's okay. And then he had to say he only follows the Binatan. Why not say it follows all the rabbis and then say, even if you sprinkle the blood, it's still not good because it has to be eaten. Wouldn't that be a better road to go by, go down? The reason is because of the language of the Mishnah. Rab Matitin Keshite had a difficulty with the language. Amai Tane en zorek et adam. Tane litne pasul. If it was no good, even even b'diavad, you should say, if the meat is tameh, the edible part of the meat is tameh, pasul, the, the korban is invalid. Instead it says, do not, do not sprinkle the blood. Do not sprinkle the blood sounds like lechetechila don't. But if you did it, it would be okay. So that was very sensitive to the language of the Mishnah. And that's why he said, that must be what it means, even though it pushed him to be a minority opinion of Rabbi Natan. Hold on. What about, remember that Braita that said, each according to what he eats? And we learned from that that eating is an absolute requirement. What's Rabbi Natan going to do with that Pasuk? Now we can explain the pasuk that we need a person who can eat. In other words, the person has to be tahor, right? He has to be in a state and, and he has to be not sick, that he has a stomach ache and he can't eat it. But as long as the person is a valid person, even if the meat is tameh, it's okay, right? The problem is, uh, the problem would only be if the person was not an eating per, in a person who could eat. All right, we're gonna we're gonna close off with three baraitot whose authorship we don't know, and we want to know uh, are these baraitot the opinion of Rabbi Natan or Rabbanan or both. Hopefully, we prefer it to be both, but if it's impossible, we might have to say it's only one or the other. All right, so this is a fun exercise. Mantana lehad When they did shechita, they, the kohen doing shechita had in mind for those who will eat it, who can eat it. That's good. But then the kohen who did the, the, the throwing of the blood had in mind for people who are too sick or elderly and cannot eat it. That's bad. So what, 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 what do you do in that case? It's valid, the korban is valid. So, it would seem to be there's an opinion of Rabbi Natan. Because when he did Zirika, he had in mind people who, who cannot eat it. 
well, people cannot eat it, that should be a problem. But not for the Binatan, because he thinks that eating it is not essential. So even without the, these people eating it, it's still valid. That must be the Binatan, right? Can we explain it according to the Rabbanan? Yes, I feel the Rabbanan. And Machashebet Ochelin Bezirika. The Rabbanan could say that since you had the intention for the people eating it during Shechita, that's the key time when you're, think, when you're making it a kosher animal to be eaten. The zedika has nothing to do with uh, people eating it. Zedika is to, to give to the Mizbeach, to give to Hashem the blood that, uh, that goes there. And if you had the wrong intention about eating during zedika, it doesn't make a difference because zedika and eating have nothing to do with each other. Good. So we're able to reconcile this Mishtis Badaita according to both. Second one. Mantana leha what if a person was sick during the Shechita time and unable to eat, but he got better right after and he's healthy during Zedika? Or the other way around, he was healthy during Shechita, but then he got sick. The, the, uh, the verdict is, no good. He has to be healthy during the entire process of the uh, of the korban. Otherwise, no good. He cannot have it. That sounds like it'd be not a banan because the banan say it has to be eaten, has to be edible the whole time, and so that would this would not follow the binatan. We answer, even the Binatan agreed and said that we need the, the person has to be the person has to be eligible to eat the entire time. He's okay if the food becomes tameh, right? Because all right, the the, the animal the meat became tameh, that's still fine. But uh, we do want the animal to be uh, the, the eaters to be valid all time, and since they're not, it's not good. Uh, okay, good. And finally, the last Baraita says, if you did Shechita in purity, and then the, the, the owners, right, the people who registered for the Koban became Tameh. Uh, you nevertheless can sprinkle the blood, Betahora, Right and impurity, but it cannot be eaten. The blood, uh, the meat cannot be in bituma because the the baalim uh, they became tameh. So you can sprinkle the blood, but they cannot eat it. Keman, who would be the appendix? Who would be the author of this? Amar Rabbi Eliezer b'machloket. Or maybe it should be Rabbi Elazar b'machloket shenuya v'rabinatanhi. In this one, in this case, this would only be rabinatan. Uh, um, right, uh, only be the binatan because he says even though the it cannot be eaten, still it's valid. So you see that eating is not essential. Um, that's one opinion. No, I can even reconcile with the banan. Here we're talking about where everyone, not only these people are tameh, but everyone is tameh. So since everyone is tameh, then even though um, even though the owners became Tameh, the Korban is still valid. Um, uh, so it could even be Rabbanan. Uh, hold on, that doesn't make sense. If it's a, if everyone is Tameh, then they should be able to eat it also, right? When everybody's Tameh, you can bring the Korban Tumah and eat it Tumah, Tumah Korban Pesach. 
no. In this case, even the banan would say no. Now, the reason why they can't is because of a gezera. Uh, that, let's say the next year, you have a similar situation, but next year everyone's tahor, and then these are these owners of this group become tameh, they're going to say, last year we were tameh, and we're able to eat it, so this year also we can do it. But they're not going to realize that the only reason last year they were able to do it was because the whole community was tameh. And then this year, the whole community is tahor. And they won't make a distinction between the two cases. Therefore, even when everyone is tameh, if a certain group was tahor and became tameh, they are still are not allowed to eat the animal. But nevertheless, they, the animal is, uh, the, the, the korban is valid uh, because uh, because it, it was became Tameh in the whole community. Baruch Adonai Lohram, Amen ve'amen. Shabbat Tov. Shabbat Tov.